Welcome in. This is a brand new episode of 300 Yards to Unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman coming to you from Blue Wire Studios inside the Wynn, Las Vegas. And yeah, an in-studio guest, the one, the only, Sia Najad. Sia, how do we pull this off? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I keep telling people how immature and ridiculous I am. So every year around this time, I come for one of my fantasy football drafts. We fly in, we do a draft, we watch the Thursday night game. Mm. And here I am with you doing 300 yards to unknown. It's pretty cool. Football season and and golf like yeah. colliding right now. This was this was the perfect timing for all of this, right? You who get to cover both of those sports, which they're they're so complementary of one another. And full disclosure, it's like the Saturday before Week One of the NFL. We'll get this out as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, the Fortnite Championship is going to start next week. NFL is going to start tomorrow as we sit here. Is your head exploding with what like the next four and a half months is going to look like for you? Well, no, because I'm still in the honeymoon period. <laughs> it's like when you're when you're rushing the fraternity, everything is like really cool. But you know, about a month in, that's when your head starts to explode. So, I'm really looking forward to this. Like the the, foot, the football and the golf. You know, I, I was doing both of these last year, so I know I can handle it. But it's a lot, and I'm I'm honestly. I'm really looking for the edge across the board with both of them. Okay. That's what I'm looking for. Beautiful. We want to make sure we have your uh, all all your sweet vocals. Lift that mic a little bit closer to yourself. Yes, sir. I got it. There you go. Speak into that bad boy. Um, the idea around football and golf being so complimentary is what I love, right? Yep. Football is clearly king and will remain so hopefully until golf dethrones it. I don't imagine that's going to happen, but fingers crossed. Um They're both weekly games, uh, which gives a natural cadence to it. When golf starts to wind down, football starts to pick up and vice versa. So it is natural for these two to kind of get connected in a way that most other sports don't get connected. That's right. And I think there is a lot of crossover. We went, we may touch on a little bit, a little bit of that today, but even whether you're, whether you're playing DFS or the sports betting market, there's a lot of crossover. The one thing I love about golf and listen, I don't know that anything is going to pass football but i think golf is is going to over the next few years especially from a sports betting standpoint and perhaps a dfs standpoint i think it's going to start passing some of these other sports mm-hmm. i don't mean immediately but there's so much opportunity especially in the betting space with golf that rick i know you and i have enjoyed over the last sure. decade or so i think people are starting to realize where that edge and where that opportunity is now so i think it's it's in a good in a great spot if we were to rank the popularity call it popularity of the fantasy sports football number one yeah, clearly. Two mm-hmm. is, I mean, are you asking for me? No, I'm asking like what what the North American users think. It's a good question because I, you know, in terms of the number of tournaments and the number of users, I mean, I'm a, I'm imagining it's probably NBA and I think, MLB. I would, I would say NBA. Yeah, MLB because it it gets it gets a significant portion of the calendar where it's by itself. Right. I mean, that like those summer months, obviously golf is going on, but you get every day you get day games. You get like it's it's just the the volume alone, I think, makes baseball three. But the fact that there wasn't a clear number two. Exactly. Is interesting. And by the way, NBA and MLB DFS are really difficult, especially NBA when you got people sitting out sitting out of games or they've they've got an injury. And, and you, you know, the timing of when rosters like. In golf, we have a guy that might withdraw, maybe one or two that might withdraw before the opening tee time. But generally speaking, you know what you're getting going into the tournament. You can't say that about the daily NBA or the daily MLB slate. You just can't. Okay, so football, basketball, baseball, golf? It's golf. Has to be, right? It has to be golf. Hockey, I never hear anything about. 
Uh, then you start getting into the other sports that I think there's a lot of opportunity in F1, MMA, like the t- sure. tennis, whatever. Like, I think there's plenty of opportunity there, mm-hmm. but I think it's gotta be golf. Golf is four. It's hundred percent golf. <laughs> and, and for the record, if, if you're asking me my preference in terms of the joy I get with these DFS sports, I actually have golf number one mm. over football. And it's not because I enjoy golf more than football necessarily. It's the, the manner in which you can play a tournament right. and know that it lasts four days as Correct. opposed to football, which lasts the one o'clock and four o'clock slate. For the most part, once someone bets on golf or places a fantasy lineup, they're hooked, right? 100%. It's like, you just got to get them in the door because they say the same thing. Okay, wait, this $50 bet that I place on Alabama, Texas, that gives me three hours of anxiety and mm-hmm. like sweat and all the fun stuff. But a $50 bet I place on Rory McIlroy gives me at least two days. Yeah. Right, at least two days of, of fun and sweat, but mm-hmm. maybe four. Right, like that's just in terms of ROI for people who are not doing this professionally, who are doing it recreationally, who are doing it for fun. Like the ROI of your dollars to time to experience it is second to none. Second to none. I, I completely mm-hmm. agree with you. It's it it has such staying power week to week, and that's another good thing about golf. Is like you turn the page and you've got another slate of golf. There's very few yeah. moments in the year where you don't have golf. And, and we were in the middle of one just now. But we, we, <laughs> the longest two weeks yes. of my life. And then yeah. around like Thanksgiving, December, you're going to yeah. have a little bit of a break. But that's it. It's a year-round sport. I just think there's such an advantage to that from a access, from a playing, from a viewership, from a right. DFS standpoint. Yeah, there is a natural cadence to the week in football as there is for golf. Um, the, the similarities and uh, differences, I, I, you know, we don't need to go through all of them, but what I find so fascinating about football, and we were kind of talking about this before we went hot, such a highly like correlated sport, right? Yes. I like if I've got a quarterback, let me I gotta get their wide receiver. I gotta run it back with somebody in uh, you know, on their opponent's team, right? I can look at the team totals, I can look at props for passing yards, I can look at all of this and kind of put together a picture in which if if a week goes this route. I'm going to have a successful week. There's a lot of correlation in football. We were talking about it in golf. Maybe tee times, right? If you get a weather split or something like that, there's not a ton of situations in which golfer A can impact golfer B, C, D, E, and it just doesn't happen. That's right. And when you're correlating with golf, you're correlating with the weather as opposed to another golfer, right? So so in football, you're right. Like the Patrick Mahomes example to like Travis Kelsey, and you run it back with somebody, you know, in week one, obviously it's the Arizona Cardinals, you know, maybe Marquise Brown or James Conner. What you're predicting there, which you can't really in golf, is volume. And you're also trying to anticipate not just the volume for the player, but the score of the game and and how that score is going to exceed the total or at least meet the total. Mm -hmm. And those are things that make football DFS so different than golf. The other thing that obviously because football is king is the maturity of the markets, right? Which is good and bad. And uh, the bad part about it is that sides and totals in the NFL are probably the most efficient, sharpest markets in the world. Yes. Do we have, I mean, can can we argue against that in any way? It's got, that's, that's gotta be true. Uh, But with that, the prop markets, which give you, I I mean, the amount of stuff and and I'm a, I'm a casual football watcher, right? Like I'm going to play, um, in the circuit millions this year. So I'm looking for an excuse to just like do spreads and do, to do some spreads. But, um, I see, I see markets for everything. First touchdown, uh, receiving yards, receptions, complete, like literally everything, which I imagine is a lot less efficient, a lot more dull than sides and totals. 
So when people get into football betting, they're like, well, it is. they realize it's efficient. They realize it after a year or two when they keep betting favorites and they keep losing. Which is not horrible because when you have super efficient markets, you can pick anything and basically get a 50-50 result, right? Like if I'm well, just a casual yeah. fan and I'm like, ah, like I'm never going to, I mean, obviously I could lose 10 coin flips in a row, but I know I'm not taking minus three and a half and I'm like 10% to win that. No, that's very true. <laughs> at the same time, people tend to take that minus three and they tend to take the favorites and dogs are covering at a rate that people just don't anticipate. Yeah. Their subconscious is telling them that, hey, this team is, is way better. Of course, they're going to cover six. Of course, they're going to cover three and a half. To the props example, though, it, that is a soft market. I mean, it truly, mm -hmm. live betting to me is a soft market and props is a soft market, at least relative to the sides and the totals. I'll give you an example. Thursday night, we had the Bills and the Rams. Right. I had three, three bets that I put out. I was, I was on B, our, with our friends, VSIN, with Gil Alexander. I and saw that. Thank you for watching, yes. by the way. It was great. <laughs> um, but I gave out three props on that show, and one of them was uh, Stefan Diggs over five and a half receptions. He mm. got that in the first half. I was going to say, uh, he caught like the first, first play of the game, I think he caught a ball. And then, like, uh, yeah, he was piling them up after. He had six receptions by halftime. Okay. So that was one of my bets. And, and so the, the, the train of thought isn't, well, Stefan Diggs is really good. He's the number one receiver. It's going to be a passing game. Like, that's not why the market is soft. It's soft because if you look a little deeper, you see that the Rams, even last year with a good defense, mm. they weren't really good against wide receiver ones. That information is readily available sure. to anybody it's who wants there. to actually look into it. Then you got the idea of Jalen Ramsey that's kind of banged up and you know didn't have much of a preseason. Props like that are really easy to identify mm. if you just peel the layers back a little bit. So, which I love. And I and I completely agree there is like plenty of prop opportunity. How far away are we from golf seeing that level of prop maturity? Right? Because right now it's it's like your it's like your prize picks, right? Where you've got to make the multiple leg entries. I, I are I don't know if if books are off like I want to get Rory McElroy, sixty seven and a half. Yeah. Over or under. Yeah. Right? I want to take uh you know, three and a half birdies or whatever it is. Like how far, if ever, are we away from some level of maturity in the prop market coming to golf? We're hundred percent going to get there sooner than you think, in my opinion. And I think prize picks is kind of laying out the red carpet for the model in which you can do that. They, they've put out some stuff that, you know, better than anybody that we didn't necessarily anticipate being out two years ago, three right. years ago. So yeah, I think, I think bookmakers are realizing that this is a, a field that people want to Tip, dip their toe in, if, if you will. And it's just a matter of them coming out with it and making efficient numbers. The last thing they want to do is put out numbers and then get rocked by right. Rick Gaiman and all his followers. Yeah, that, yeah that'd be nice. It is, it is interesting. And I think maybe um, you, there's something you mentioned earlier about people not betting dogs enough. And I think that also kind of happens in, uh, in matchups in golf, right? Mm -hmm. Which is that's kind of our closest thing to like sides and totals or whatever. It's like, oh, Rory's minus 138 over John Rahm. And you start to see this and you're like, well, like, of course Rory's going to win this, right? Like, why wouldn't Rory win this? Like, I'm just going to take minus 130 and move on. And football's pretty volatile in nature. Golf, uh, obviously quite volatile in nature. Like people, why aren't people comfortable betting dogs enough? I'd be... It's, it's just, it goes back to sort of just being a prisoner of the moment, I think. Mm. I think you see Roy McElroy's name, and you're like, well, this is one of the best golfers. John Rahm is, is just not playing that well. And so it, 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 it never ceases to amaze me how people will just constantly 
in, even in football, you got a, you got a six-point favorite. Well, six points, by the way, is a lot in an NFL game. Yeah. Six points, that, that six number is one of the key numbers, like three, seven, six is now becoming a key number too. And I think people just think, well, they only have to cover by a touchdown, and this is a much better team. They're just not really thinking through that there are athletes on the other side of the ball too. And that, that's just, you know, it's just one of those things. People just tend to, dip, you know, play the favorite. Is So I assume... And correct me if I'm wrong here. There, you, you know, the efficiency of football uh, is clear. Can you still shop stuff? Like, right? Like, if if someone's if if uh, the Chiefs are six point favorites, is there any book in Vegas as we walk down the strip that's going to have them at like minus four or minus five or five and a half? Or yes. any, is it just six everywhere? No, it, <laughs> no. It, it, they generally follow suit. But yeah, you, you can absolutely shop your lines and find five and a half places. Probably even right now with that with that Cardinals Chiefs game. Although the Cardinals are actually, you know, this is this this podcast will come out. And this information, yeah. This, will, this but, will be good for about uh, ten hours. <laughs> what you're about to hear. Well, my point is, is they're piling up the injuries. So so that particular line probably won't move down from six. But yeah, you can absolutely find. A, a, you're not going to find a disparity of four or six in these efficient NFL lines. But you absolutely will find. Maybe some two and a halfs instead of threes. Maybe some five and a halfs instead of sixes. Mm-hmm. Maybe some six and a halfs instead of sevens. And if you do that, now you are crossing a key number in the NFL, and those are really, really important. Are we getting to a point where, and I don't know off the top of my head how many states have sports betting legalized, but there are obviously people, and I, I hear this all the time. It's like, oh, well, Rick, you're like you're saying shop this. Like I don't even have this. Like I don't have anything available to me, right? Like I go down to my street book. And he gives me the worst number that he has, you know, that I've heard all week. And I have to bet that like, is there still a value in what shopping for information? Exactly. Mm. So that's the thing. I think people are confused by, and maybe this might be on us too. When we say shop your lines, I think the automatic response is, well, I only bet at this one book. I only have, I only have money. I only have money loaded in this one spot. Right. And I don't want to, even if I had access to this other book, I don't want to leverage myself and have, you know, different accounts and all that. But that's not what I'm saying when I'm saying shop your lines. What I'm saying is you need to know that you're getting the best number. And if you're not, you need to be comfortable not betting the best number. If you shot, And there's a lot of sites out there that will actually show you across all of the main books what the number is. Yeah, that's, that's the, what you just said is the problem that I have, which is um, I miss the best number, right? And this happens a lot. So, so Circa will release their golf outrights, I don't know, Monday afternoon or whatever it is. Um, by the time I get there, I can see that Rory's been bet down from 20 to 16. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, like now what? Right. Am I, yeah. am I going to just bite the bullet and take it at 16? Or am I going to be disciplined enough to say that I didn't get the best number. It might not be a great bet anymore. I'm just going to risk Rory just wiping me here. I'm not, I'm, I'm always stuck in between. I mean, I'm not doing this for a living. I'm doing this for fun, but I'm taking it seriously. So I'm stuck in the middle. Well, yeah, but golf is different because if you're okay taking the 16 to one versus the 21, 20 to one that you lost, I'm actually okay with that. Especially when you're talking about longer numbers, like 80 yeah. to one and 60 to one or 70 to one. Like, yeah, it, it, it's not as good of a number, but if you really like that play, go for it. The problem with football is once like the Rams uh, chiefs game, the Rams opened as, as one point favorites that flipped to bills minus two and a half right. at that point. That's a three and a half point flip. I've lost all the value in that number. Now, granted, it's still under a key number, but my point is in football, when you lose a line and it shifts the other way like that, Mm -hmm. two or three points approaching key numbers, 
I'm just not going to bet. I'll wait. For, I'd rather wait for a live play. Which, by the way, if you bet that game, you could, you could have had a halftime bet for pick. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about live options. So, so golf kind of has natural, um, natural stopping points after each round is generally where. I mean, I I like to do it with guys, especially on Thursday and Friday. Like, oh, this guy's finishing up on nine. I can see that seven and eight are the two easiest holes on the golf course. Like, there's there's things like that, but it has its natural stopping points after every single round where a lot of people will go and they will. Um, review the board, see what they want to do, take action. Does that exist? I imagine you could do that after each quarter, but, I mean, there's not a lot of time in between quarters, and I guess you could do it per drive. Like, how are we attacking live NFL? Per play. Oh, boy. No, you. but you don't understand the advantage. I thought advantage. you might say per play. <laughs> you don't understand the advantage. It is such an incredible advantage. I'll give you an example. There could be a game where you don't want to take a team that is a three-and-a-half-point favorite because you're just not comfortable with three-and-a-half. You really wish the number was two-and-a-half, and by the way, it was, but you missed it. Mm. Wait for the kickoff. The dog that you were going to bet against, they received the kickoff. They get 12 yards on their first play. They get six yards on their second play. Guess where that line is now? It's two-and-a-half. Mm. It's just, moving that quick. It's moving that quick quick they get to midfield it's probably still two and a half they get to the 20 well looky here you got a minus one. because once you get to the 20 your like implied point total is i don't know what it is call it two and a half points or something like that you're well I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's higher than that because you're i mean you're going to turn it over sometimes but you're going to get at least three most of the, i don't know what it is but but that's all factored into this yeah and you, you would almost want them to have an, an initial good drive but those lines change so rapidly and if you are at the ready to bet them mm. then now that three and a half point spread is all of a sudden a pick them Four minutes into the game. That's fascinating. Um, are we so so what I've always kind of thought, and we saw a little bit of this, uh, I guess it was last year in Phoenix, um, Golf Channel did the Betcast, mm -hmm. which was four days of a lot of live bets. I I believe I described it as a well executed bad idea or something like that where like I thought the host and everybody did a good job but like this was not thought through from the start about hey is Benny on gonna hit the fairway here on 13 it's like I don't know it's, who knows but like whatever are we so so my point being that I believe we're headed towards a ton of micro real-time wagers in golf does this mm -hmm. golfer hit the fairway does he hit the green what score does he make on this hole birdie but whatever i think we're headed there are we already there on football like can you get the result of next play are there other sports that are like i think baseball moves slow enough where there might be what's the outcome of this at bat going to be but i'm not i'm not sure i'm aware of those markets enough uh yeah i don't think that's available in football at least not to my knowledge what is available is what adjusts other than the total and the, the spread itself is the props for mm. each player. In a lot of books, I think you know some of the main books actually will offer you a altered prop. Like if, for example, let's go to the Diggs example. If he's five and a half, well, he catches the first ball. That's going up to six and a half real quick, and you're right. going to have to bet the under or the over there. So you can actually wait to bet props too. But in terms of like the next play, Interesting. Um, I think they're, to be honest, I think I've seen, you know, will this drive finish in, in a field goal or a touchdown, those types of things, but it's not a market that's really been tapped yet. I'm lukewarm on these. I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of technical things, especially in golf, where you've got to get the data quickly. No offense to the shot link volunteers out there on the golf course. They're often 80 years old and cannot see where the golf ball is, mm -hmm. and I'm begging them to accurately mark it as just in the fairway or just off. So I've got my concerns yes. about all of these things, but is that, like, are these markets being requested, right? Is the market asking for these, or will 
a half a percent of people make 90% of the micro transactions. Cause there's going to be people that are like, I think I've got a real edge here and I'm going to sit around all day long. Mm-hmm. And during football, NFL football on Sunday, I'm going to have seven games up mm-hmm. and I'm going to have a model that I click refresh on every two seconds mm-hmm. and get updated numbers. And I'm going to make all, like, like those people are going to love it. Is the market in general asking for these types of microtransactions? It's a really good question, but I, I think the answer is the books are probably going to want to put as many offerings out there as possible to get people in the door. So whether for sure whether they they offer them to whether it's an offering that actually gets utilized by most of the market, probably not. But I think those types of offerings tend to get people in the door, and if they're in the door, they're probably staying. Yeah, there is there is a I imagine a lot of like one off, whatevers. Hey, Rory's going to make birdie here. The Texans are going to score a touchdown on this drive while you're watching. The game, maybe you're hedging, right? Mm-hmm. If I've got Rory over John Rom, and it's like, oh man, the only way that comes through is if Rom makes bogey here. It's like maybe I should put a little bit on Rom making a bogey. I think that that's exciting, which is where I think, um, you know, like like Prize Picks does does do a really good job of this, where you can get basically the entries in until like the last second, yeah, right? Which I think is critical here because it's a it's a big timing issue. But yeah, maybe maybe that's what it is. People who are sitting there ready to rock and roll from their phone while they're watching a game. Yeah, I think I think that is. And, and I think golf has a lot of maturity to do here. And I think there's a, an, I absolutely, to answer the underlying question, I think there is a market for it. Yeah. We see it in live betting in general with golf. I mean, there, that is a big market, just like as, especially fourth rounds when, you, when you're, Whatever, whatever you're doing, whether it's a safety play on right. your, your outright, but I've been betting live golf uh, for years. The maturity of golf betting, vastly different than the maturity of golf DFS, in my opinion, uh, where I think, I think for football, they're much closer together, right? Mm-hmm. Fantasy football, DFS, like everyone who's probably going to play fantasy football is already doing so, and yes. they might already be doing it on a, on a daily or weekly fashion, but... Uh, fantasy golf seems a lot more popular and a lot more mature, at least in its options than golf betting does. And maybe that's just the way they rolled out in terms of timing to the United States. But like there's, there's not, there has not been a lot of innovation in fantasy golf for years. Right. Which is, is that concerning or am I happy that the market's that mature? Yeah, we can see you. Yeah. (laughs) You can hear us, right? Yeah. yeah, Okay. (laughs) Oh, I love the studio. <laughs> yeah, do you like the fishbowl aspect of this? <laughs> uh, I kind of do. I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. I, I, I just think, yeah, I, I think golf DFS. Um, and I lost my train of thought because that guy. I know that was he was literally jumping around in the hallway, <laughs> trying to get us here. But no, I, I think, I think golf DFS, regardless of the innovation or the maturity, yeah. I, I think it's in a really good spot. And by the way, I think it's in a really good spot to take advantage of it right now like in this moment and i mean like i'm i'm talking micro because what happens when you have nfl season is you have an influx of money into the market and sure. and, and I, i'm not calling them quote casuals i don't really like that no term, you but, can you can call them casuals. okay fine <laughs> um people who take uh let's say dfs casually they are probably going to dip their toe it might not be the fortnet but it might be the next big thing that, that big tournament that gets marketed yeah and then all of a sudden that money is also in this golf market too do you know what i think it could be is i think um Sunday showdown, right? So you've got people who are Sunday morning Mm -hmm. making their fantasy football lineups and they're looking around the lobby like, oh, 50K up top. 
for yeah. this for this golf round four. I don't know. I'll just pick four guys I know: Jordan Spieth, Ricky mm-hmm. Fowler, Jason De- right, like so on, so forth. That that's where I think the biggest casual money comes in. I, I do think there are people who are there to play fantasy football. They've got more money in their account. They're clicking around over the course of the week. They enter something on Thursday. But I think that like, as I'm building football lineups, I see other contests feels like the biggest in, in introduction of money. I think you're right. And then I think if those same people happen to win in the NFL in the first few weeks of DFS, yeah. that money is going to be dispersed among maybe MLB, maybe golf. I mean, those are the only two kind of big ticket sports that are going. I, I think really in the beginning of the NFL year, it's a really good time to attack both golf and NFL for that exact reason. The biggest knock that fantasy golf gets, at least from a DFS purpose, is I guess WDs, but in hand, like the lack of late swap which is, um, I mean, that's a strategy in other sports, right? In, yeah. in, in basketball, in football, I don't know about baseball, maybe to an extent, depending on what time the games are and what the slates are. Late swap is a literal strategy. Yeah. It, that is not even an option for golf while everyone else is using it as part of their toolbox. Yeah. In DraftKings uh, specifically for the NFL, it, it is a huge thing to do. And a lot of people still don't do it because they're busy or they, they, they just don't want to, or they don't really conceptually understand it. I wish you could do that in golf, but Rick, as you know, that's not something you can actually legally do. I think it's right? a legal issue. Yeah. You would, I mean, maybe you would know better, but it's, it's as far yeah. as, cause MMA is the same way. They have to, uh, they have to lock it when the round or the tournament begins. It's, it's not on an individual basis. There's right. like, don't you like, DraftKings would love to offer that to exactly. you, right? Why would they? Why would they not? Like yeah. they're not just holding back because they think punishing you for a withdrawal is the way to really get their customers excited. If they could do it, they'd be doing it. They'd be doing it and and, and understand globally that they have entered this sort of market, which we don't call gambling when we talk about da- da- daily fantasy sports, but it's certainly towing the line. If you make a change that for some reason gets interpreted as oh, all of a sudden this is like has more of a connotation of gambling because you made this adjustment. There's no incentive for them to dip their toes in that water. They have a structure. It works. It's not gambling by, in most people's eyes or in most states' eyes, and they're going to keep it that way. How many states do you think have legalized gambling? Currently? Right now? Yeah. Do you know I, the answer? I'm going to guess that the, the answer is you, you, you do know the answer. Uh, right? I'm, looking at the, I'm looking for it right now. Yeah. I'm going to go with 29. Let me see here. Uh, well, that's pretty good. According to the American Gaming Association, 30 states oh, and geez. the District of Columbia currently have sports betting legislation that's considered live and legal, um, which there are a lot of nuance to each state. Some mm-hmm. parlays in some places are no-goes. Like there, There's a million things. Are you surprised it's not more or less than 30? No, actually. And by the way, I think all the dominoes are going to fall. I'm stunned it's not, it's not 50. Well, because you, you're talking about state legislators, who, who uh, a lot of which were very much against gambling and now have to sure. change their tune. So changing those minds and st- changing the minds of the constituents, perhaps, who were against it, which, frankly, there probably weren't many. Um, these things, especially with these legislators, it takes time. I 100% agree with that sentiment, but I was under the impression that money talks. Yes, that's true. And when you have an opportunity, when your state's budget is probably running at a deficit and you have the ability to inject lots of tax dollars and revenue into it, I thought that was going to be too good to pass up. I thought it was going to be too good to pass up especially in 2020, remember, I mean, just like nobody was spending money. No one was doing anything. Everyone was staying at home. Mm -hmm. Like I thought that that would have 
been a larger catalyst for legalizing marijuana, legalizing sports betting, things that create just brand new tax revenue. Yeah. And maybe it takes time and maybe we're still seeing the ripples of that. And, you know, you can only get it on the ballot every so many years. But right. I, I'm like just genuinely stunned that we don't have like 50 states rocking tax dollars. from this. OK, so a year from now, what do we think that number is going to be? Well, I, was, I was actually just going to click a, a, an article that says projections for all 50 states. Well, I know California is coming up. Right. Which will, which, and whether you like it or not, legislation that gets passed in California, New York, Texas, like bigger states kind of trickles to other yes. states, right? Is that Correct. an accurate statement? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So New York just, just came on board, what, six months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you get California on board, and I imagine the reports are going to come out, and they come out in New, York, or New Jersey all the time where it's like, oh, a billion dollars in like tax revenue last year, last month or whatever it is. It's like, holy crap, how are we missing out on this? I think that will spark a lot. So I will say a year from now, without knowing what's in the pipeline, who has things in the works, like 39. I still think you're going to have like 10 states, like no matter what that, like, no. like Utah will like never pass this, right? <laughs> I just no, came from Utah no. this week. They will never pass this. I'll tell you right now. I think Utah will come around too. <laughs> They'll be like one of the last ones to come around. You know, there are some like, there are some issues like Florida still doesn't have it because I think some of the they native screwed that up. They did. I, I think there's a lot of pushback and lobbying from the Native American uh, faction there. Uh, we're in, we're in the gambling capital of the world. I have to walk into a casino to put money onto my account and I have to withdraw. There's still a lot of things I cannot do here. I DraftKings, not in yeah, I like, am shocked. Right? Like so and that is all lobbying. That is yeah. all pressure from whether it's tribes in some states or uh established brick and mortar, right? It's not just like, hey, do we think this is a good thing for... So a look revenue. behind the curtain with uh, <laughs> with the Congress and the House. It is not controlled by the legislators. It is controlled by the lobbyists. Mm. I'm just... In case anybody didn't know the obvious, that is uh, that is the way the world works, or at least our world in the United States. Uh, so I, I, I think... So according to this, uh, California's close. Like New Hampshire, I believe, looks close. Uh, yeah, I think we could be at like 39 soon. I'm going to take the under. I think it's going to be closer to like 37, but I think okay. that's a fair number. It's a plus number. It's plus 110 at 39, I think. Okay. So as more states come on, more people get introduced to this. We are, um, I think it's exciting for guys like us. And I've talked about this a lot where it's like, okay, there's a lot of education that needs to happen. There's going to be a lot of bad faith actors in in these moments, right? There's going to be people that are going to try to um, sell you picks for a thousand bucks a month yeah. or whatever and guarantee wins and all that stuff. And there's going to be some bad faith, but there is an opportunity for a lot of education, a lot of data-driven analysis, a lot of, I mean, it's even trickling into, then you start trickling into networks, right? Like mm -hmm. networks are saying, oh, okay, well, this is legal in 39 states or whatever it is. Uh, now we got to start covering this more often. We got to start taking this a little bit more seriously. Like there's, there still seems like we have not even remotely scratched the surface on like the way that networks are going to cover this. We have not scratched the surface. That's right. There's so much to be done. And, and part of that is getting guys like maybe myself, but yeah. Rick, you, yourself as well, like on these, like these broadcasts that the one you just referenced, what was that called again? Um, earlier this year, the Betcast. The, yeah. I mean, you got to make sure you have people on that that can talk about it fluidly the entire time, not just throw out a comment here and there or you know a prediction here and there. You can't have that. And by the way, networks should know that. You, you shouldn't need a bad episode to realize that, hey, maybe you don't have the right guy doing this. I'm sorry, golf announcers. I love you. We are two years into, we are two years into uh, golf odds being shown on broadcast, and they are still not 
accurately describing that. If I was points bet, I'd be like, guys, what are we doing yeah. here? How yeah. much are we paying you to botch this on a weekly basis? Right. And for the record, that's not the announcer's fault. You realize that, right? That is the network's fault for putting them in a position that they are not primed to do. I'm like 70% in agreement with that. I, uh, we can't give these guys like a, a, a five-minute crash course on plus right. odds and minus odds. Well, okay, but d does that make them comfortable to do it? Right. You can tell me, I can go into a trial and you can tell me, hey, th these are the facts and, and this is the law. That doesn't mean if, I'm, if, I'm not, if I haven't been doing that, that doesn't mean I'm going to be comfortable in front of a jury or a judge articulating all of those things. For sure. And the good news is I see that all as opportunity, right? So I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I think fantasy football is at like 95%, right? I think it's, it's good and bad. It's gonna, you're, you're always going to be the king, but where are your new users coming from? They're being born, I guess, right? Like yeah. that's where your new users are coming from. If we assume fantasy football is at like 95% saturation, where does golf stand? Ooh, good question. It's, oh God, it's, it's not even close, which is a good thing, right? Right. Uh, I think it's at, honestly, I think it's at 25% wow. saturation. I thought it was like 2%. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I guess, I don't know if that's optimistic or pessimistic of me. But no, it is certainly 20% or less. I mean, I'm 100% I'm right. with you on that. And that means it has so much. See, here's the thing. We know, we're not just saying it. We know how awesome golf DFS is. We're not just saying, hey, it's awesome, so please come play this. It is awesome. Especially right. that four-day bet that you can have. And I think people just need to play it to realize it. And, and it can be, Rick, it can be really low stakes, too. If, right. if you're playing the main slate in the NFL, you're probably dropping however much money. You can play a $3 tournament that lasts four days. 90% of fantasy football players are playing low stakes, right? They're, they're playing, um, and, and, and that's, the, that's the other thing. You know, the, the idea of like who's betting on, on, on football is not some nerd with models or like a degenerate like yeah that obviously exists but it's like the guy who's watching it at the bar Correct. who wants to put 50 bucks on it so that he has something to root for that's mm -hmm. the majority yeah and that is kind of the target for and i'm not like a huge like i don't get a ton of the barstool stuff but like that like those that audience like the right. younger more passionate i want to watch something on tv and while i'm watching it i'm going to put 50 bucks on it that is generally an untapped golf market where it is a much, much more um, popular form of, of, of football better. And so part of that is the sport itself. Football really is an incredibly exciting sport second to second, mm. but also it's the, it's the networks too. Like I yeah. think the networks, as they bring gambling into the space, I think they have an obligation to promote the sport as well in a way that maybe football promotes the sport. And, and I don't know what that means. Maybe it's creating storylines with the players. Maybe it's creating better storylines with, with the, the winners or the KFT, whatever it is. I, I think the networks have a long way to go with golf when it comes to that as well. God, football is, they, they figured it out. I mean, right? Yes. Like you are getting, like every, people were going to watch football no matter what, but now you're actively seeking out players from your fantasy team. Yes. Right? And now it's not just the 15 guys you drafted with your buddies, like mm -hmm. you just did. Right. How'd that draft go, by the way? Uh, well, pretty well. I had digs. Somehow, I, I, you know what? People aren't even going to understand <laughs> this, but I'm not even going to say this, but I did have digs who had a really big game, so. It is not just the 12 or 15 guys you drafted earlier this week. It is now the potentially hundreds of players that you might want to follow because of your various fan daily fantasy lineups. Like that is, they, they have, the NFL has created an ecosystem 
that feeds off itself and only grows larger. That's like the missing link for golf. There's not as much incentive to watch golf as there is incentive to watch football. Well, it's interesting because football is so proliferated. You've got like 16 games a week on a, on a pretty regular basis. So you have a lot of like different areas to pull from. With golf, you have the one big tournament that's happening. So it's really hard to create a lot of different coverage and a lot of different people watching different things. Mm. But I think that conceptually, I think it's the same. I mean, in terms of rooting for a golfer, you're, you're doing it in the same fashion you'd be rooting for your NFL player that is on your either daily fantasy or right. redraft league. And of course, I... Uh, I can't get into a five hour rant, but like we have to be able to see every shot from every player. Like I'll just at least almost every shot from every player, at least on demand. Yeah. It's hard though. Like you realize it's such a hard undertaking. I didn't say it was going to be it's easy. not an encapsulated NFL. I didn't say it was going to be easy. Yeah, No, I hear you. I hear you, but it's gotta be done. It's gotta be done. But the idea that like, Oh, the PGA tour needs to improve. Do this right now. Like it's not really that practical to, to, Click a button and be like, oh, we're going to cover every single shot. No, I agree. And it's expensive and there's a lot of stuff. But the idea, I don't need um, live 4K shots with a cameraman on Thursday morning of Joel Damon. Sorry, Joel. Ouch. But give me a stationary GoPro on every green. Yeah. Get, like, give me something. Yeah. Right? Like, I, and that's the problem is, the networks don't necessarily want to give you lesser quality than what you are comfortable with. Yeah. Even though I'd pay like $1,000 a month for GoPros on T's and Greens. But would the average consumer appreciate that production? Would, would the lack of 4K would, production drive them would away? Would the average user be tuning in for it? Good question. I don't know. That's a good question. So you're trying to draw people into the space. You're trying to keep the people you have. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. I get it. They're going to figure it out. It's just going to take some time. And logistically, golf is a hard sport to cover. I mean, it's just, you've got, you've yes. got this huge, massive acres territory. And yeah. acres and acres and golf balls can go anywhere. It's not like you just point your camera at home plate and you know there's action that's going to be there. Or it's not like, I, I get it. It's not going to be easy. But while we're on this, and I am defending the network, and I'm defending <laughs> the announcers, you guys have noticed this, but can we talk about the cut line a little bit more on Friday? Can we do that? Can we, talk, can, can we have somebody, and I know this is talked about all the time, so I don't, we don't have to get too far into it, but just the idea of not knowing what the projected cut is, like things like that, if you are going to introduce gambling into this sport and help, have, have, have it help drive it, you have to have that type of thing going on. Uh, the cut line, number one, yes, of course, that's a no-brainer. The other thing for me is um, networks have been, have been a little bit um, hesitant to reference gambling and you see this in all sports right yeah. like and that's why it would be so great when brent munsberger would be like oh well that field goal was important to yes. some people Al like, michaels would do that right. a lot too okay yeah. so it's like okay okay it's, it's this dog whistle right like mm -hmm. the people who want to hear that or understand that understand it but others who didn't bet on that are just like okay whatever no problem like there's a lot of opportunity for dog whistles in golf yeah. right so so to say oh rory mcelroy just made a birdie on on 17 that moves him inside the top 10. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm interested. Or uh, Roy McElroy makes par. That draws him even with John Rahm for this round, right? It's like, these, there you go. these are things yeah. that are like, if I'm, if I'm betting a matchup on John Rahm and Roy McElroy, I yeah. have just heard that and I have understood it. The uh, PGA Tour Live has graphics that show the score for each player in the group. Right. Okay. 
Awesome. Just say this guy's two shots clear yeah. of his playing opponent with one hole to go. Right. Like that's interesting and noteworthy. And it would be even more noteworthy if there was universality with with yeah. the actual head-to-head matchups, which is which is kind of weird. Um, you get that more yes. on the weekend the than you do. Yeah. The weekends. But um that that but that's problematic. But to your point, yeah, they can say that stuff. That's going to keep the tuner listening in because now they know the announcer is is right. on that. Is one of them or is yeah. at least like servicing them yeah. in the tiniest way possible. Um, before I get you out of here, I could not go without, uh, I was, we were on vacation, you know, I'm sitting in Utah, scrolling through my phone, a Lacoste commercial. Oh my gosh. Comes on. Yes. And I'm like, Hmm, I don't usually watch commercials, but like what's happening here. And sure enough, the face that you're, you're seeing in studio right now, is is in this commercial and it's a Serena Williams commercial. It's Venus Williams. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Venus. Williams. It's Venus. Yeah. What in the world happened? How did this come about? So I didn't know you were such a star-studded act actor. Stop it! Look at you. Um, <laughs> I'm blushing in this Blue Wire studio. So I used to do a lot of auditions. Actually, okay. Um, this is back in my Virginia days. I was I was doing a little bit of that. I, I moved here. I was doing the attorney thing, so I didn't really have time to do auditions. And then, I, honestly, I just haven't had time to do auditions. This particular commercial, the, the main reason I was able to do it is because the Lacoste people, thank you to them, they decided they wanted me to be in the commercial without auditioning. Sick. Just based on like Sick. the pictures that were submitted. Yeah. That's, which a is good, am- that's a good way to do it. It's amazing <laughs> yeah. because, frankly, I just, because auditions are usually like down in South Miami and I, you know, I just don't have time to do that with all the other stuff I have going on. You know how busy I am. So it was one of those things with, where they were like, yeah, dude, you just need to show up to wardrobe. And then the next day, they're going to... We, I was on set. I was, was going to say, how long does the whole thing take? Well, so I was... Okay, that's funny you ask. Because <laughs> if anybody's seen this commercial, I'm in the commercial for two seconds. Yeah. Maybe Which one. I imagine it takes like nine hours to get like yes. two seconds. <laughs> well, because yeah, you, you got to go really early like everybody else, like yeah. Venus and Sanaya and all that. You got to do makeup. Then they got to take... They got to bust you out to the location. Mm-hmm. Now, you get to the location, but they're not necessarily shooting you right away. So right. you're in they kind of like this... over here. They got to do that. Airbnb, over. and I'm waiting with all the other like star, like, stars or whatever, um, Venus wasn't with us but uh Sanaya was and all the other people that you saw in that commercial so long story short we finally roll out like five hours later they do like maybe six or seven takes and I don't know which one they used it is good actually I think they used one of the first ones to be honest with you um and then we were on our way but it was pretty cool man the streets were shut down cops everywhere you know it was like (laughs) I felt like a real actor I was gonna say that's cool that's a great feeling it was a great feeling and to see it actually um you know, come about. Yeah. So how long from the time that you filmed it to the time that it actually aired? Longer than you think. Uh, we filmed that four months ago, maybe. Wow. Yeah. I'm ballparking it, but about four months ago. And I don't know why, you know, sometimes there's some logistical things oh, we have sure. to get through, but sure. uh, super cool. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. Hope, I hope to do more of that, to be honest with That's you, sweet. especially if I don't have to audition. Yeah. Well, because I'm a bad actor. Of course. Yeah. If you don't have to audition, <laughs> even better. Uh, okay. See ya. Thank you very much. Rick, I appreciate it. Awesome. Great studio. This is an incredible experience. Built it myself. It. Yeah. yeah. I bet you did. <laughs> At Sia Najat. That's right. On Twitter. Um, where else can we find you? Where else can we find all the things that we need from Sia for not only golf, but for football? Because critical time right now. Yeah. So I fly back late tonight, uh, the red eye actually, and I'll be on the early edge tomorrow morning with coach. You don't stop. From the first cut. Um, week one early edge. Yeah, week one Woo! early edge. So you'll see me on early edge quite quite a bit on Monday nights. I think you're going to see me on early edge of the primetime show that they do. And then, of course, first cut tomorrow with you mm-hmm. with CBS Sports. Um, Tuesday and Thursday, me and Mike McClure from CBS have the uh, the Fantasy Football Today DFS show, which is ramping up and is awesome. 
And then, of course, um, you can catch me on SiriusXM with uh, Wind Daily Sports on Saturday nights. Uh, we got moved to, a, I think, a better spot. Five to eight on Saturday nights. Five to eight on Saturday nights feels pretty prime. Uh, I, I didn't want to say anything, but you said I it. I don't know so. much about radio, but I imagine that's pretty prime. No, it's a great slot. It's a okay. great slot. So um, we're going to be doing a lot of like NFL stuff, maybe some golf stuff too, but it's NFL season, so sure. we're going to do like DFS, redraft, all that stuff. So you can catch me in all those places. And probably, who knows, maybe uh, the irregular appearance on VEASAN. Uh, yeah. I just yeah. get those emails sometimes, too. It's like, hey, can you come on tomorrow? I'm like, okay. I see you on there. I get, I get the same email, same sure. texts, right. and uh, those guys are great. So I actually yeah. I love going on these, just like I'm sure you do. Awesome. See you, Najad, on Twitter. Uh, we invoked the too unknown portion of the show. A little bit of golf, a little bit of football, a little bit of everything. Uh, but that'll do it. So this has been another episode of 300 Yards to Unknown. Catch you next time.